Praise the Lord, this is Brother Julius Adewomi again. I was going through the book of James. We are in James chapter 3. Now, we have discussed James chapter 1 and 2, where Apostle James, the brother of Jesus, talked about several things. We have to go through the, listen to the previous sermons or the previous discussion before you can. Let's just go to chapter 3 right now. In chapter 3, Apostle James started by verse 1. Say, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. He had, he had, he had added himself as one of the teachers. Masters mean teachers. Be not many teachers, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. The people offend in word. Even in teaching, somebody can listen to us and disagree with that. Yeah. But we have to be humble also with that teaching. So he said, in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. Now, so his Apostle James is going to describe the fact that offense comes many times in word, what we say. So that's why he's trying to say, don't try to be a teacher for everybody, trying to tell everybody what to do, how to do it. And sometimes you can offend in what you see. So it's going to describe that in verse 3 here. So behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Just telling us what our mouth is very important. Our mouth means the words that come out of our mouth when it comes to human beings. So that's what he's describing here. He said, why, why is he using the horse? So you see the horse, when the people are riding the horse, they put something that we call, they call bits and people call it a gadu, something like that, in the mouth of the horse, for purposely to direct the man, the horse, the man that is riding upon the horse, want to turn the horse right or left. That thing that he put in his mouth is what he jack his head up to make him go this way or that way. And the horse, we, we humbly follow because that thing is painful in the mouth of the horse. That's why he is following. So that is uh, what he is using to describe our mouth here, that, that's what they use to control horses. You turn their whole body about by just the thing they put in the mouth of the horse. Verse 4 says, Behold also the ships on the sea, which though they be so great, and are driven out of fires of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small air, whithersoever the governor listed. So even the ship on the oceans, see, though mighty they may be so big and huge, but when they control the ship, it's just one little thing they use to control the ship. 
you turn his head this way or turn his head that way. And that's like the thing that was in the mouth of the horse also is what he's using to compare. Verse 5 says, even so the tongue, that's our tongue, the one that we used to speak, is a little member of our body and boasted great things. Behold, how great a matter, a little fire kindled. So he's comparing our tongue, the word we say is really what it's symbolizing, can be very, can be a fire. That's what I say, it can start a, a fire. It can start a fight, what you say out of your mouth. Verse 6, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defiled the old body, and set it on fire the cause of nature, and it is set on fire of faith. So what Apostle James is saying is that our tongue, that's the thing we speak, what we say out of our mouth, can defile you. Jesus Christ said it that way. He said, out of your mouth, he said that you are justified by your words. Thou shalt be justified and by your words, the word of God, that the word that you are saying from your mouth, Whatever is coming out of mouth, say by your word you shall be justified, and by your word you shall be condemned. That's how this guy put it. And Apostle James is describing the same thing and saying, Our tongue, which is where the word is coming from, is the one that is can defile the person if you say something wrong. He said, Finally, the, the tongue will be set on fire of hell if they go to hell. Verse 7 For every kind of beasts and of birds and of serpents. And of things in the sea is tamed and has been tamed of mankind. But the tongue, as the tongue in our mouth, can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Now, where does that come from? Where does this unruly evil come from? Is it just the tongue that is doing these things? That somebody is feeding the tongue. The tongue is just saying what comes from the brain or from the heart. That's why Jesus can say, out of the out of the heart comes evil thoughts. I can defile a man, the tongue can defile a man, what he says out of his mouth can defile a person. But it's not the member of our body called tongue, it is what he is saying out. What he is speaking out is what Apostle James is addressing here. So they say, but the tongue can no man tame, it's an unruly full of deadly poison. And he's going to describe what he meant by that in verse 9. There which bless we God. Even the Father, and they are which cause we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Verse 10 Out of the same mouth proceeded blessing and cursing. My blessing, my brethren, these things ought not so to be. So that's really where it's coming from. He's saying we ought not to be saying bad and evil things and good and same thing from the same mouth. Using the word tongue, as if the tongue is one that's saying it in our mouth. But he's saying it is the same mouth that is speaking blessing can be one that also speaking curses. So that's why Jesus said, you bless and curse not. So these things ought not so to be. Out of the same mouth proceeded blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Verse 11 says, does a fountain sent forth at the same place, sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries? either a vine fix, so can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. So he's saying in our mouth should not be yielding blessing and cursing. That's what he's saying. Our mouth, the word of our mouth should not be blessing and cursing. Blessing some people, cursing some people. No. We should bless always. If we are full of blessing, we should be blessing always. Don't curse. 
So that also should be a warning for many believers who came to believers when they are praying because of the way they are brought up in the denomination they have been going to, they may be cursing their enemies. Jesus Christ said, curse not. Bless your enemies. See, how can you bless them? Just what the Lord Jesus commanded. Bless your enemies. See, do good to them that hate you. So that is the instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we are not to curse at all, but to bless always. So that is very important and that is what I'm saying. If you have been in a in a fellowship or the denomination where they are always causing their enemies, they think the wishes are the one causing their trouble, and they think somebody is that wish, and that somebody that they think is that wish is in their mind when they are causing. So which means they are causing a particular person in their mind. They are not just causing generally any wish. They have somebody in their mind that thinks that wish or that wizard that is doing those things. And when they are saying those causes, they actually are thinking they are praying. They actually cursing a human being in their mind. That is sin. That is a sin. So that's why if you are a born again believer, that shouldn't be in your mouth. If you are born again, feel with the Holy Spirit, don't curse anybody. Pray for them. Even they say, well, what about all these uh, extremists, jihadists, jihadists? Don't curse them. Pray for them. That the Lord will change their heart because that is a better solution than causing them to die. No. Pray for them that they should repent and not go to hell. Because that is what God commanded. So that is very important. That's what Apostle James is saying. From the same mouth, our mouth shouldn't be blessing God and causing human beings that are in the image of God. No matter what evil thing those people are doing, don't use your mouth to cause them because your mouth is for blessing God as a believer in Christ. See, these things ought not to be. So the mouth shouldn't be bringing sweet water and bitter water. Okay, verse 13. Going to something else now. Who is a wise man among, and endue with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. Now he say, show your wisdom, show that you are a wise man by good conversation. That is what is coming out of your mouth to show wisdom, that you are wise. Verse 47, if you have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. Like I said, every exhortation that Apostle James put together here, there are more words of wisdom from the book of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, and he's using them to exhort the believers. So now he's talking about the tongue, our tongue, what comes out of our mouth, and Proverbs alluded to the same thing. Now he's talking about don't have bitter envy against one another, or strife in your heart against one another, because if you have those things, don't try to say where well, you love God but yes you have bitterness against somebody that cannot be together that cannot be so but 15 said this wisdom of striving descended not from above but is earthly sensual and devilish for where envying and strife is there is confusion and every evil work so striving and envying one another that can cause strife he said, that's not from God. That is from the earthly domain where you are trying to be what you are not. Or trying to want to be something that God has not given to you yet. And that is envy. And he said, that is devilish. That can start a strife and a, and a, and a, and a hatred. That make people to even kill one another in the world. And the believers should be in that type of environment. Uh, we believers should be different, should be, should be far from those things. There should be no bitter envy or striving among one another. Or between us against anybody, whether they are believers or not believers. 
Say wherever there is envy and strife, there is confusion in every walk. Verse 17. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. That's the wisdom from above. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. The fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. So we should be peacemakers. Like Galatians said, blessed are the peacemakers. For theirs is the kingdom of God. They shall be called the children of God. So he said that the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. That's in the end of chapter 3. Let's go into chapter 4 and continue this exhortation of Apostle James. And we, we are learning, I hope you are learning some truths how to conduct your mouth, how to conduct yourself, bridle your tongue, we mentioned in chapter 3, that we should not be all master trying to teach everybody because we offend many, many, many words we offend. But guide your mouth, say, be, be slow to speak in other places, be slow to speak, be quick to hear, but don't jump to conclusion, slow to speak, slow to write. We mentioned that in another chapter. And these are all exhortations on how to conduct ourselves as believers in wisdom. Chapter 4. Now he said, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts that war in your members? Now he's talking about physical strife that is going on between people and people whether believers and believers or believers and non-believers or anybody. He said they are coming out of loss. So everything that is causing strife, even in the house, if his husband and wife are striving, wonder why are they striving? They say they love one another. Why could make an husband and a wife fighting and cause? The root of it is always lost. Loss is excessive desire for something. Take, for example, if the husband lost for more sex, more sex, and the woman can just can satisfy every demand. They want sex every twice a day, once, once a week, once a day, all those things. And the woman is not ready, she woman is demanding. That is lost in itself. And they can start a fight, quarrel. Or let's say it's in the other, other direction. The woman always wanting this, wanting gold, wanting trinket, want to spend money on this, want to spend, that's lost already. Never satisfied with the clothing they have. They want the red shoe, the black shoe, the yellow shoe. They want to match everything. That is lost already. That can make the, uh, the, the spouse, the man, to say, we are, we are wasting much money on this. And they start the fight accordingly. Say, from whence come all these wars? It's come from lusts that are warring in your members. But when you let Christ rule your heart and your mind, you know that all of those things shouldn't be in the household of faith. Lust should be quenched completely destroyed. Lost for sex is also satisfied. Contentment. Lost for all this um, acquiring gold, acquiring silver, acquiring necklace, acquiring shoes that could be partaken from, from, from some wives. That's also lost. If you have contentment and follow the precept of the word of God, you see that you see godly, godly woman should be more concerned with the inner beauty. Also. So that is why Apostle James is, Lord, Lord, I'm just giving examples of what is describing here and use that husband and wife to be an example to be in many other areas that can be lost causing a strife and fight now he went for that he said verse 2 you lost and have not you kill and desire to have and cannot obtain you fight and war 
Yet he have not because he asked not. So he's just summarizing that many times people are thriving with one another. Maybe they should have asked the Lord in prayer. Because if you ask the Lord in prayer, the Lord perhaps can turn your heart right and make you see that what you are even demanding is wrong. Let's just say your husband that is demanding he, he must have sex with his wife twice a day. And the woman can't provide. The woman is upset. The woman, the woman says, once a day is too much. Now, if the man will pray, you may see that God has to touch your heart and make your heart to be humble, simple, that you don't even need that thing well, twice a day. Maybe you want to be contentment. The same with the woman. If all she, something is around her shoulder, that's making that demand for shoe, demand for red shoe, black shoe, yellow shoe. She must get this right. She must get the same type of dress, this type of dress. Then if you pray, the Lord can drive that demons of loss away from your shoulder. And you begin to see contentment. And those are all the things why I said. You ask, not you sometimes you receive it, not because you didn't even ask. Now, verse 3 say you ask and you receive not because you are asking amiss. Sometimes people pray wrong prayer. I mean, they are praying for something that is not in the will of God. Those two examples I just said, they are not in the will of God. Don't you think so? Say that ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Now you can imagine many examples. I just use that example. You can think of many examples that can be lost that Apostle James is talking about, where people are asking something for lost sake. And they won't get it because God is not seeing their desire to be right. It's a evil desire. And a father that knows that this is going to hurt his son will not give him. Let's say your son that is just 10 years old, he says, Daddy, I want you to buy me this machine gun because he saw it on, on TV, television, that is, they are using machine gun more than the enemies. And those are just make believe stories in the, on television, but the 10 year old does not understand that. He wanted that machine gun, the real one, he said. <laughs> You think the father should go and get the machine gun because he loved the son so much? No. And that's one of the reasons why he will more or less go and get him a toy gun. If he wants him to have a gun at all, he'll go and get him a toy. And the boy that said, no, this is a toy, this is not shooting anything, may begin to get disappointed also. And say, he wanted the real one, you see. But you see, that's why I'm saying, a father that loves his son will not go and get him something that is going to hurt him. Because mm -hmm. get this machine gun to the boy he doesn't know what to do with it. And he went to the street and just shoot people. Think he's playing, but he's crazy. You say they think he's crazy also, and then they will be arresting both the man that gave to him. So that is what we are saying. That God is not going to give something that's going to hurt you. That's why sometimes you ask and you receive now because you are asking amiss, that you might consume upon your loss. Now verse four is we are opposite James going to change here again. Verse four, chapter four is of James. What we are reading: Ye adulterers and adulteresses. Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Now, why did he start with adultery and adulteresses? It's almost like bringing it back to the level I was giving as an example. The man that wanted so much of this, or the woman that wanted so much of that. And he said, if you are a friend of the world, you try to please the world. That's or your flesh, because your flesh is part of the world. If you are just trying to please your flesh, you are a friend of the world. So you will be enemy of God. All those things that are trying to please the flesh, 
or please the friends, or please all the people that are looking at what will the people say? I don't have this type of shoe they are wearing. Or now you are trying to please the men of the world or the women of the world. Listen. So the friendship with the world is enmity with God. Because very soon you will be offending God. I'm offending these precepts of God. Verse 5 said, Do you think that the scripture said in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusted to envy? But he giveth more grace. Therefore, he said, God resisted the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. So God resisted the proud. What is pride? Everything that is contrary to the word of God that you want to satisfy yourself is pride against God. But says, submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now that Bible verse seven is important. Is that you have to submit to God. But resist the devil. The devil comes to you, you know, the devil comes to your thoughts, your ideas, what you desire. The devil amplifies it in you. Like an example I gave the man that said, Oh, you, you, he's not satisfied with one having sex with his wife once a night. He wanted more than that, or this or that. All of those things that make him to be calling and fighting on those things, the Bible says, we should not even be, we should not even be our, our hot desire. Why would you, any woman be fighting on that? When you are before you are married, you should be chased, also. Now that you are married, it should be contentment, also. So now, if you are fighting on something like that, something is wrong, also. So that's why he said, submit to God, submit to the pieces of God. And when the devil is rousing any evil thing, you resist the devil. Whatever the devil is suggesting, resist it. That's what it means, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Resist the devil could be in the thoughts that he brought to your mind, and you know this thought is not right. It's not according to the word of God. Resist it. By just quoting the word of God to yourself and say, no, that you know, I shouldn't be thinking about that. I don't want to do anything like that. It is written. My mind is for pure things. Whatever things are true, whatever things are pure, whatever things are just, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are honest, whatever things are good report. That's what I should be thinking about. Will there be any virtue? Will there be any praise? Think and listen. Those are what I should be thinking about. You resist them by those double verses and the thoughts will disappear from your mind for a while. If it comes again, you say it again. Confess the word of God again. That is how you resist the devil. And the Bible said the devil will flee from you. Verse 6 said, Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Purify your hearts, you double minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. It's more than saying we should be sober and, and, and repentant. Verse says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. So that's the exhortation for everybody. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. If we just said, he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. He that exalted himself shall be abased. So in any way, we are to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord. How do you humble yourself? You humble yourself by submitting to the word of God, all the precepts of God, that's how you humble yourself. You humble yourself when you hear the word of God and you surrender to it. That's how you humble yourself. If you are cocky and say, no, I can't do that, then you are proud towards God. That's what God meant by pride. When people hear the word of God, instructions of the word of God, and they do not want to do it. I remember somebody was saying in, in one, I, I was in a bookstore one time, expect to be a Christian bookstore, and I overhear two people talking. They are the people that are working in that book. So one of them was one 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 of them was a, a man. I think the other other two other two men. 
and or two one, 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 one. they were they are just the workers that are working in that book so, and they were shouting on the word of god and they said oh the word of god said uh, a woman should not be wearing pants and so on and, so and this young man he said well when i marry my wife we wear a, a, a pants he said, but the Bible says, no, it doesn't care what the Bible says. He like it. His wife will wear a pants. So that means he's not submitting to the word of God. So when you hear the word of God and you submit to it, that you're humbling yourself before God. If you say, no, I can't do that, then you are proud towards God. That's what God meant. When you say, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, he shall lift you up. That is what it means. You humble yourself to whatever the word of God says, and God will lift you up. But if you are proud and will not do what God says because you prefer something better, you are proud towards God. And there are many examples in the scripture that show those people that are proud towards God by not wanting to do what God says. And God always brings them down, but it may not be the same time. God does not send lightning to strike the people down. Really. Like that man that said it verbally, hopefully in the Bible, in the, in the book, so I say, oh, when I marry my wife, we wear pants. That does not mean lightning will strike him down. No. They may marry and the wife may not even want to wear the pants. You may want the wife to wear the pants. That, will begin the beginning. that may be the beginning of their calling. So that is why sometimes if you humble ourselves under the world, in the sight of Lord, God will lift us up. Verse 11 of James chapter 4. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. Speak not evil one of another. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother, Speaketh evil of the law and judge the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. Now, what does he mean by speaking evil of one of another? Apostle Paul put it in another way, he said, Speak evil of no man. That's another way Apostle Paul says, That doesn't mean speak evil of any man. Take, for example, all these politicians that are unbelievers, of course. And they are doing so many evil things in your countries. And you know they are doing so all those evil things. They are embezzling the law, the government money. They are stealing from the public and so on and so forth. Yes, they are doing those things, but pray for them. If you are going to address the issues, stealing from the public money is an issue. Don't mention their names. Don't speak evil of the person. Just talk about the issue that it is evil, it is wrong for people to steal or to steal from public money or for anybody, it is evil. But when you begin to mention his name, that president so and so, you are now speaking of that man. You say that governor so and so, you are now speaking of that man. That's if he's speaking evil of that person. Because very soon you'll be cursing the person. Why? Because you are angry. But God says you pray for them. You'll be able to pray for them if you are already cursing them in your heart. That's not going to be a good prayer. Also, so that's why you have all apostles. The scripture is telling us to speak evil of no man. You can talk about the, uh, the evil things that is being done in the world and just address that. It is don't try, like we are preaching the word of God and we are just preaching the Bible. We are saying that uh, fornication is a sin. We are not mentioning any particular man's name. We are saying that adultery is a sin. We are saying that homosexuality is a sin. We address those points. If somebody came forward and said, but he is homosexual, what do you think about me? I said, well, the Bible says you repent. He said, don't judge me. I'm not judging you. The word of God is the one that's judging that. We are only addressing issues. We are praying for the man and we are addressing the issue. Somebody said, well, he is a prostitute. What do you think about us? The Bible says you should repent. We are not pointing finger at you. We are saying, we are pointing finger at that our, our behavior. It's a sin. Ask Jesus Christ to set you free. Christ can set you free. 
And that's what we are saying. And that is what the scripture is saying. Speak evil of no man. But that doesn't mean you should be not saying things about the issue. You say something about the issue according to the word of God. Just point out what the what the issue is and what the Bible says about it and ask people to repent, whoever they are. And if they don't repent, that's their problem. But you don't need to mention them by name and cursing them in your heart or telling, talking evil about that particular man, that particular woman, that particular governor, that particular politician. Just talk about the point, the issue, and point it out that it's a sin. Every man should repent. Just like the armed robber should repent, the same way with the pickpocket must repent. Just like the governor that's stealing money should repent, the same way the one that is embezzling money from this uh, get, gathering by bribery on the streets by the police is also should repent. Don't mention the policeman by name, or there is a chief of police that's collecting the money. Don't mention his name by name, but just say everybody should repent. So we don't speak of any man, but we are praying for them that they may all repent. That's what Apostle James is saying. Speak not evil of one of another brethren. He that speak evil of his brother is judging the law. You see. But we are not judging man. We are only pointing out what the scripture says. That is wrong and that's allowed. Verse 12 says, There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are thou that judges another? So we are not judging the man. We are pointing out the offense, the issue. So when we read the scripture, we are not just. The word of God can convict the person that's hearing it. And if he wants, he repents. If he doesn't want to repent, that's between him and his conscience and God. But we are not going to be pointing, pointing his name out and cursing him because he did something wrong that we had in the public or we had and we saw. We just leave that to him and to God. But we point out the offense. We are not judging the man. We are judging this behavior that the Bible says is wrong. And we also keep ourselves from those bad behaviors too. Because if you are judging that bad behavior, you better be sure that you are also not doing it in another form. That's what he meant when he said, Oh, I doubt that judges another. Verse 13 say, Go to now, you that say today, now it's going to change here in verse 13, talking of something else. And I'm going to continue this in the next broadcast. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Well, we will continue this message in the next broadcast. The Bible said, Precept shall be upon precept, line upon line, a little there, a little there. And I pray that you will not miss the next broadcast so that you can build upon that which you have just learned today. The Bible said, Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In, in other words, we can say, Faith cometh by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. It's not just a one-time shot. You must keep hearing the word so that your faith can be built up. We shall continue this message in the next broadcast. Don't miss the next broadcast. God bless you.